0: This is a Rooster Teeth production. In
1: 1922, the inhabitants of a German homestead were found brutally murdered. The puzzling detail is that there was reason to believe that the killer lived on the farm for days afterward, even taking care of the animals. Today we look at the baffling case of the Hinterkaifeck murders. This is Red Web. It's another murder mystery Monday. I'm Trevor Collins, coming in with a little ditty, and uh, Alfredo Diaz across the table from me on the other side of the country. (laughs) For a loop. Oh,
0: hi, (laughs) hi. Yes, I too am here interesting this little uh this little episode we got going on here.
1: yeah we're dipping our little toes back into some true crime the killer decided to hang around
0: oh they're hanging after the crime was committed oh they're vibing on site dude was even kind of take care of the animals one the the guts of said person Uh uh-huh stick around the gall just hope that no one comes by, or there isn't type any type of obligation that they that they have that the family has um, that would cause someone to come and check on them. Two, this person's they just throwing DNA all over the place, left and right.
1: Oh, but it's the twenties. He doesn't oh, care oh, about that. Yeah, damn, yeah. Here's the right. thing. Though, this, oh. uh, I think, this entire case, as fascinating as it is, I, I really do like this one. I like them all, but I, this one's really <laughs> intriguing. Um, this is a case study for how not to handle a crime or suspicious activity or what have you. Mm. This is what I, I was messaging Christian before we started this. Uh, uh, the producer for Red Web here, and um, I'm like. Man, this is exactly why there are unsolved mysteries all over the place, because like things like this happen everywhere. So, yeah, there's going to be some frustrations throughout, but um, exciting and interesting nonetheless. Ready to dive into it. Yeah, let's dive into it. Let's talk about the who and the where, because there's a lot of people to get to know here on the homestead. But we have the family who consisted of Andreas Gruber, his wife, Cecilia their widowed daughter Victoria Gabriel as well as Victoria's children Cecilia as well there's another Cecilia in play okay uh, but Cecilia and Joseph. so Big Andreas fan. his wife and then Victoria is their kid and Victoria has two kids of her own they also had a live-in maid at the time we'll name her later because there are two maids in play I don't want to offer confusion here And then I also want to talk about Victoria's husband, Carl Gabriel, who passed away in December of 1914. He served in World War I and unfortunately passed away during his services. So that's why Victoria is a widowed daughter with two children of her own living at home here. Now, their Bavarian farmstead was known as Hinterkaifeck, and that is in what is known today as Weidhofen, which is just north Mm. of Munich, Germany. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, before these murders went down, there were a bunch and I'm talking about a bunch of strange occurrences at their farm. So let's talk about some of those and maybe uh, a word to the wise at home. Take some notes. We're, we're, we're going to lay down some life pro tips. If you ever stumble across some of these, uh, come on, strange occurrences.
0: Mm. I'm just going to throw out the uh, blanket rule. Of just get the hell out of there
1: boom there's your life pro tip i'm just that's just Just, it that's just just it
0: the hell out of there it ain't worth it um secondly the the other question i have is now that i'm finding out or or i guess just the question i'm hoping to get answered is now that i'm finding out that there is a bajillion people in this house
1: how did this person happen so happen to like take everybody it's interesting. I mean, that, that'll definitely come out. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of these strange occurrences because I want to lay the scene. But when, we, when right. we talk about the crime itself, there is one major factor that's going to leap right out to you. I mean, it's one of the core elements to this crime that you're going to say, like, interesting. How, how did that go about or whatever? Because mm-hmm. you're right. There's definitely like you got a house full of people here. How did they carry this out? How did this go down? Yep. But that's going to be a good question to kind of revisit as we go through all the details of this case, because I would love to hear your gut check on that as we kind of unveil some more information. So let's go back six months prior to everything went down. The family's maid quit her job and left due to her belief that the house was haunted. Now, she reported hearing strange noises and footsteps coming from the attic, often around midnight. Now, this gives me a lot of flashback memories to those creepy pasta and spooky subreddits where people post videos that are living in their attics overnight you know have you ever seen any of those oh no okay and well don't that, go digging it's it's weird sounds weird and oh man like mm-hmm. why some are fake right
0: but but like yeah there's yeah, like security sure. footage of
1: people slinking out of the cabinets eating food making cereal and heading back up it's it's wild that's that's terrifying it's that's terrifying, terrifying for sure dude Oh, my God. That gives me the heebie-jeebies. I hate that. Woo! Sorry for anybody who is alone at home in the dark right now. Now, again, the the maid was like, okay, this this house is haunted. I need to move on from this job. She left. She also said that she heard voices, and she asked the father, the, the man of the family, I should say here, Andreas, to check the attic. He went up there. He looks around. He doesn't find anything, despite the, you know, the occurrences of footsteps happening.
0: Right. I
1: mean, they never do it first. There's always
0: a buildup. I don't know Mm why, you know,
1: like a good movie. (sighs) There's a lot
0: of good horror movies out there, but yes, get get your
1: popcorn ready. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, they never find anything the first go around, but this is this is going to be a trend, my friend. Uh, After the maid's departure, the Gruber family took up the work that she left behind and they all began to notice the same things that she was noticing. So I don't know if this is a Harry Potter defense against the dark arts cursed role that's happening in the home or if now that she's gone and she made it aware that like, Hey, these things are happening now. They're finally hearing these footsteps and, and whatnot. I don't know, but the whole family's in on this. Now they all hear these footsteps. See, that's the, the, the part in any
0: story or any movie TV show is when everyone's on board, because when it's happening to one person, it's just like, Ugh! People could just believe this person. But then yeah. there's always that, oh man, there's so much satisfaction when you have people, everyone else just going, I don't know, I don't know. And then there's that turning point where, you know, we all know. And everyone knows. <laughs> and there's like, okay, now we're on the same page. Now y'all believe
1: me. hmm. That's when you grab the day bag and you get the heck out of there. You go to the motel late, you get the free breakfast buffet, and you have the police raid yeah. your
0: place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or if it's like the Conjuring universe, though, uh-huh. it, it follows you. It, it that's latches, true. It latches onto you. Oh,
1: why'd you say it? Oh, you yeah. are absolutely correct because yeah. that's exactly what they did. They oh. went to a motel and in it followed. Oh, that's nuts. And then, like, they moved what? to a different house. I think maybe that's a different ghost story. No, sometimes they follow. That's a good point., uh, but some more strange occurrences here. March of 1922, Andreas found a Munich newspaper on the grounds. That did not belong to anyone in the family so they're going okay this is strange let's go to my neighbors maybe they subscribed in this show right. and randomly none of the neighbors subscribed to this particular newspaper and the mail carrier themselves said that they did not drop it where they found it so this was not a mistaken delivery this was not owned by anybody it shouldn't have been there so we have some more evidence trickling on the scene and just days before the murder andreas found now, here's where your gut check's gonna scream into the ether. Andreas found footprints in the snow coming from the nearby forest and onto the farm, into the farm's machinery room, also referred to on this case as the tool shed. Those two oh, hell locations no. are gonna be interchangeable here.
0: Oh, hell. Even if it wasn't some kind of uh, a ghost or creature or whatever, if it's just another human, um, first and foremost shouldn't be in, in your property uh uh-huh. secondly uh, you're going into the tool shed lots of weapons lots of things that can be used as weapons oh yeah uh you don't want to go in blind so you don't want to go in at all oh no man call the call the police just to be safe
1: dude there's something about human footprints i i know listen you think about cryptids and the paranormal and all of those things no set of footprints in a mysterious circumstance is going to be okay, yeah. but there's something more upsetting about seeing human footprints, because you know oh. what a human is capable of, and you know right. humans are, are real. Do they do they go
0: in because they think it's one of the family members in there?
1: Well, here's why they go in, because when they followed the footsteps over to the machinery room, again, aka the tool shed, just in case any of you are more familiar with this case, but uh, when they got there, Andreas is looking at the lock, and it's been broken. And he looks at the footsteps a little closer. He notices there's not a set of returning footsteps. This is a one-way path. Someone came to the door, broke the lock, went inside. And so he's going, boom, someone's in here. Mm. He searches the premises, couldn't find anyone. Was there anything missing? There was no footprints leaving in the snow. Oh. Hell, man. Yep, no no sign of anything missing, no sign of a person. They checked it from top to bottom, nothing? Listen, that's what I have to ask myself. Are they checking this place top to bottom? Because this is another piece of the puzzle that's going to continue, and I hate it. There's a lot of searching happening, not a lot of finding. They searched the attic for, for these footsteps, nothing. They searched this barn for clearly something went in there, someone, whatever, nothing. So what's going on? Are they just terrible at hide and seek or are there secret rooms in this house that we don't know about? I don't know. Oh, what? It's, uh, it's spooky to say the least because uh, how do you sleep on this information, man? You don't. Someone's it's in your that, shed. It's <laughs> that
0: simple. Out. You don't because then what happens is you go and you sleep, and then you have, and then you don't wake up, <laughs> and then you have a moment like in the movie Signs, where one of the kids comes to the room and says that there's a monster outside of their their room, and then you go, nope, there's nothing, and then you walk in there and you're tucking them in, and then you look, and there's this shadowy figure on the rooftop. I would freak the hell out, man! Like, come <sighs> on,
1: yeah, Ooh, this that's is bad. Yeah, this uh, this whole lead up, we're not even at the murder yet. This whole lead up gives me nothing but the heebie-jeebies. I would have been. Deep in the populated city of Munich, just like screaming, hey, I'm here, look at me, just keep your eyes on me, something's going on, (laughs) I don't want to go disappearing. Yeah, I just get out of the farmlands. But March 29th is uh, something else happens, and this is two days before the murder takes place. Andreas mentioned these incidents to his neighbors and said that one of their cows had actually been let loose in the middle of the night. That's another strange occurrence that happened. So he went outside at the night to retie the cow, and he believed that someone did this on purpose. So now he's beginning to talk to his neighbors about these circumstances. Hey, have you seen anyone? Do you know anything? Yada, yada. He's not really getting anything back, but he's at least talking about this. And this is how we know about this to this day, by the okay,
0: way. Okay, okay.
1: Um, yeah, yep, Yeah. that makes sense. March 30th, the day prior to the murders, a key to the house went missing. Later on this very same day, again, March 30th, the whole family heard footsteps once more in the attic, and again no one could be found so we're really setting this up to be paranormal in nature this is exactly why the maid left 6 months before all this went down the maid was very in tune with what was going on didn't like it and left now this family is i guess doubling down on 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 what's going on they're they're saying i'm not finding anybody but if you hear footsteps and you're all saying yeah i hear it i I just can't stay. I just can't stay.
0: God, is this one of these situations where this person is like living in the walls of their house or something? It's just some right. weird, creepy, oh man.
1: It's like the boy.
0: Yeah, like the boy. Whoa.
1: But according to a friend, a school friend of Cecilia Gabrielle, Victoria ran into the woods that same night after there was a violent argument with Andreas. So just to break things down, granddaughter Cecilia... Is saying to her friend, "Yeah, my mom ran into the woods because her dad was initiating some sort of violent argument," and that's just like just some circumstantial evidence here, just something uh, yeah. to talk about. I'll put that on the table and let it air out for a
0: second. But so it could possibly have been one of the. It could have been Cecilia that ran in the, the track the footprints.
1: That's an interesting theory, but it sounds more Victoria is the one that ran to the woods. But oh, okay. But the the footprints came days prior. Oh, and and it doesn't seem like any of the family members were the ones that did it. You know, it it would be very interesting to like, I do want to entertain that idea that something happened within the family that could be either a suspect or that someone was doing something odd and sneaking around. Um, There's definitely a lot of different directions that this case could go from here. And I want to keep them all on the table.
0: Yeah. But then again, you probably just outright say it like, oh, that was me. Like, right. why keep it, you know?
1: Maybe. I don't know. Why keep it? There's some motive for that later on that we're going to discuss. Now, I mean, this is just me revisiting this case in my mind. I'm already, I, as I do, as, I, as we talk about these things, I start to connect dots and theorize on my own. But yeah, there's, there's some interesting tidbits that I want to circle back around to, to answer that question or attempt to. But to wrap up these odd situations, all of these ultimately scared the family, as you can imagine. But here's the crux of the issue and really probably the inciting decision that created this unsolved mystery in the end. Andreas's refusal to go to the police, his refusal to accept help, and his refusal to do anything that was outside of grabbing his gun and guarding his home. I mean, he was a man's man, a man of his time. He said all he needed was a gun and his family, and that's all he needed. He didn't want help. And I think that was the fatal error. Don't play games. Don't play games. You need help. You need help. I mean, lives are on the line. I mean, you just don't know what you're up against here. Yeah. You don't know what could happen. So, yeah, yeah. I, I
0: mean, damn, you know that that is unfortunate. Uh, I I get that. You know that sense of pride. That's exactly what I was gonna ask. Like mid sentence, um, I was just like, hmm, is it because of the is it because of pride this person didn't want to call the police and and seek help? Right. I'm still I'm still baffled by because there's so many people in this house. Um, to be able to take the whole house, it uh, seems like a big task. but right. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to learn more.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's six people, right? We have we have the mother and father, we have Victoria themselves, the daughter, and then her children. That makes five. And then we have the live-in maid, who we'll talk about here in a moment. Actually, right now, uh, <laughs> let's because like, we're gonna jump into the murder. What happened that night on March 31st, and then the in- investigation that followed. But On March 31st of 1922, that was the day, the day that the new maid moved onto the farm and her name was Maria Baumgartner. To help her move, her sister was there and she stayed for the afternoon once things started to settle, just hung out and then uh, eventually departed. Now, Maria's sister is very likely the last person to have seen them alive, at least outside of perhaps the suspects. But at some point during the night, here on the 31st going to April 1st. Andreas, Cecilia, Victoria, and Cecilia Gabrielle either went to or were taken to the barn before being killed. The barn again is where the tool shed slash machine room right. was located. Yep. After this, the killer then went back to the house where they killed Maria and Josef in their beds. The next day, April 1st, a pair of door-to-door salesmen came to the home, Hans and Edward Shirovsky, and they stopped by Hinterkaifeck to sell coffee, but nobody answered the door. They walked around the grounds for quite some time looking for somebody, because, you know, they got their nice beans to sell. Yeah. And as they left, they, they, you know, they noticed the machinery room door was open. They just noticed this. This is something that came out in the investigation, but they didn't look in there. They didn't do anything. They kind of went on. Later that day two hunters visited Hinterkaifak to buy goods from them. They couldn't find anyone and a fact to note here is that these two hunters did not see any smoke coming from the chimney at this time. That'll come back around here in just a hot second. Yeah, I assume so. One more piece of this puzzle here is that the family was noticeably absent during the church session on Sunday and the school also noticed young Cecilia's absence from the school. Now, In reference to the chimney smoke, I know that was a bit odd, but later on, neighbors did eventually claim to see smoke coming out of the chimney during the absence of this. So they're saying, hey, we're not seeing you at church. We're not seeing you in school.
0: Yeah, but you're alive because we're seeing the chimney go.
1: Exactly. During that very same time. So now we have another person who's heading to the location, to the Hinterkaifeck, to continue about doing their job. But this is April 4th. He's not there for the smoke. He's not there for the absence. It's Albert Hoffner, a repairman who went to Kaifek to repair the food chopper. Nobody answered when he went to the door, and he reported that he could only hear the sounds of the animals. It was otherwise very quiet. After waiting for about an hour, this is a dedicated repairman, mm-hmm. Hoffner decided to make the repairs anyway, and those repairs oh. did take about four hours. Hoffner, he, he's not going to let his job go undone.
0: Yeah, but oh my goodness
1: yeah he went in did the job moved on hofner then went to the closest neighbor lorenz schlittenbauer and he let them know that he had completed the job the job was done he couldn't find the family but hey let them know whenever they come back home that their job is done a-okay that same day a lot of concurrent day activity happening, but April 4th, that same day, Schlittenbauer sent his sons to check on the family since no one had heard from them in days.
0: Yeah, at this point.
1: Yeah, so he's connecting the dots. He's basically saying, okay, this repairman was just there for hours, worked on the house or whatever. Didn't see the family. And at this point, this is his tipping point. He's like, sons, go over there and see what's going on. When they could not contact the family, Schlittenbauer and the two other neighbors, Michael Pohl and Jacob Siegel, decided to head to the property themselves. So now this is Papa Schlittenbauer, not the sons. So they're going there, and upon arrival, they noticed that the machinery room was unlocked just as days prior had been noticed. I don't know if it was open, Christian. Maybe we can clarify that. Was it unlocked and open, or was it actually closed and unlocked? Because that would mean that this door is moving over the course of these days.
0: I believe that it was closed but unlocked.
1: Interesting. Okay, so four day, or, you know, three days later, this door is still unlocked, but now it's actually closed. So, yeah. so there's definitely activity happening. They go to the yeah. machinery room. They find the bodies of Andreas, Cecilia, Victoria, and Cecilia Gabrielle stacked on top of each other in the locked barn, hidden under some hay. They then discovered Maria and Yosef inside the house, still in bed. The Munich Police Department, led by George Reingruber, had trouble investigating the murders as so many people had interacted with the crime scene in the four days that it took to discover the bodies. Ooh. So this incident is very reminiscent of the complications that we discussed back in the Springfield 3 case, yeah. right, where the house was eventually, you know, it caught on fire, eventually was bulldozed and covered over.
0: But yeah, everyone moving in and out, getting their hands on everything.
1: Yep. And that is the uh one two punch of how to create an unsolved Damn. crime is uh is just the mishandling of a crime scene whether on purpose or not and the fact that one refuses to get help and doesn't really yep. pay attention to any warning signs that might be in there. Now I understand where where he comes from. I understand like his decision, but it doesn't change the the ultimate end uh of the story here. Yeah. So, even though it had been four days, we've got livestock, okay, happening. This is a farm, and these Mm -hmm. livestock were still fed. It was clear. The cows were all milked, and the meals had been cooked in the kitchen. It seems like life was continuing on as normal, that someone was living in this home after these murders went down. I I don't know what the motivation is here, but this is so deeply fascinating.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Just... Oh, the, the disrespect! Right, right. Like living in their house, eating their food, living their life essentially for a couple days,
1: milking their cows. Yeah,
0: milking Weird. cows. I'd be terrified. Like, right, I, I'm. I can't believe you, you essentially you know took out a whole family and then just decided to chill.
1: Yeah and and uh i would hate to be investigating this site i would have the heebie-jeebies thinking about going back there i'd, I'd be like i was just trying to sell coffee over there on april 1st my yeah. goodness somebody was there someone, someone was watching someone me was
0: there watching and that's you know that's what i was talking about or right the um the person oh. came to like fix the the stuff for oh. like four hours i can't uh-uh. even imagine just oh, no. hanging out at a crime scene Mm-mm. not only that with like the suspect or the murderer, you know, with the murderer there. Uh -uh. Uh, I hate
1: this. This is like-
0: hours,
1: dude. This is like my phobia. I don't know if it's got a name for it, but like, think of of this. You're alone in a big dark building and you put a chair at the end of a long dark hallway. You turn your chair away from the hallway. You sit down in the chair and you have to just chill, knowing your back is to this very long dark exposed, like your back is just exposed to this hallway. I hate that feeling and now i'm thinking about (laughs) being in this house or being outside this house or i'm even thinking of the police as they investigate and discover this these cows are milked this food was made uh, this livestock was fed imagine the realization i'm thinking of it like a film the realization creeps over your face and you're like alone in the house investigating this maybe your partner's outside and you Mm -hmm. go oh my god they could still be here right now like Get, get As you are like, out. I'm seeing, I'm poking the fire. There's a little smoke coming out. Like, this is this is happening the in the recent past. Yeah. I ooh, I hate that. I hate that. I'd
0: fear. be on high alert
1: instantly. I would probably scream a little, and then just <laughs> hightail it out of there and be like, I'm not going in until we get some backup. But when looking around the crime scene, they could not find the weapon used to murder the family at all. They looked at the place top to bottom couldn't be found. And the police first believed that the motive of this whole crime was a robbery, as the Grubers who lived there were quite well off. But in their search for the weapon and just doing their normal investigation, they found a large amount of money in the home. So they dismissed the theory that this was a robbery. And somewhat jokingly, I have to say, was this money hidden in the tool shed or in the attic because it seems like people can't find stuff in this house. Yeah. Maybe well, it was, still was a robbery. and They just couldn't find the money. I don't know. I But then why hang out?
0: Well, why hang out?
1: Maybe because they're trying to find the money. Because you're
0: looking. Maybe, I mean, but still, for days...
1: Yeah, maybe you gotta li- sleep you gotta, over there. You gotta like, live a mile in their shoes. And by a mile, I mean four days in their insane. shoes, eating their food, insane. milking their cows. And maybe you'll find their money. I I don't know, man. This is wild.
0: It's it's <laughs> a, so it's so over the top to just like live and chill at the crime scene that you created.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And when looking over all of the crime scene, looking at whatever evidence that they could find, which there wasn't much of Ultimately, they weren't able to figure out a motive for whatever this crime was, however it went down. Regardless, the investigators determined that the four were eventually lured to the barn uh, somehow. They just didn't know how. And it was theorized that perhaps the family would have gone to the barn to investigate the restless animals. Maybe that's why they went there but it was later found that screams could not be heard from the barn to the house and they proved this during the investigation by having somebody go to the house and record yeah. with audio and having somebody go to the barn they synced up their watches did the whole cool uh, you know oceans 11 thing yeah. and then and then screamed and you know they couldn't hear couldn't it from hear. the house yeah so it's so it's unlikely that there was a more benign reason for going to the barn it so something at least surrounding the criminal or whoever perpetuated this crime they were at the center of why they went out there Yeah, that's all we know oh man
0: I do appreciate that they did some tests you know here and there to see to to better understand the situation it's just what what can you like what can you really do at at this point right what could you really go off of especially during these times
1: I mean I know where this is going I would love to hear if you were a police on site and the, these were the pieces of um i guess of fact that you had this is all you have what are you even doing like what do you think what what is your next move i just you, you don't have
0: the technology to check like cameras or doing mm-hmm. to, to, to do dna testing or anything like that i mean you could look for footprints oh god probably not fingerprints during this time is there?
1: I think you could do fingerprints I think that was the key forensic evidence at the time. Footsteps weapons on scene or taken from the scene, things yeah. moved about and then fingerprints as well
0: Um, Fingerprints, footprints see if there are um, any vehicles I don't know if there's like tires you can check or stuff like that during this time Yeah need, uh, Yeah, I mean you're gonna need like Ooh, the real, like, actual physical evidence as opposed to, like, a digital piece of evidence.
1: Right. I'm just thinking about all the pieces, and I think, and this is a spo- not a spoiler, but is a spoiler, uh, whatever. The one thing that I think I wish they would have done is based on some of the evidence presented, some of the stories from the neighbors or whatever, those footsteps coming from the woods, I wish somebody would have investigated the woods and at least said nothing's happened there. There's nothing going on over there. But I don't have any information on this case regarding any any investigation in the woods. Was there food out there? Was somebody camping? Did they walk from somewhere else? Is there anything walkable outside of the neighbors?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because you mentioned a car, but this this person seems to be traveling on foot. And so you almost have to start thinking very closely. Is this like a, is this a neighbor's thing, uh, or was this an inside? job or something, somebody in the family. Um yeah. I don't know.
0: I mean that's always the place to look, right? Or it's just like, okay, look at the family members, the uh the husbands, the wives, neighbors. It's and you know, we discussed this before, but it's usually someone pretty close to the situation.
1: For sure. Especially because of the motive. But we're gonna talk about the suspects here uh in not too long from now, but I'll tell you, it's not as mundane as we are theorizing. It, it actually gets very interesting in the uh, suspect uh. section. So I'm excited for that. But jumping back to the investigation at hand, they knew that the murder must have occurred on March 31st because the mail carrier, who's been very helpful throughout this whole thing thus far, noticed that the mail started to pile up over the following days. So, you know, if there's no fresh mail, on the step on April 1st you can you can say okay someone pulled it in on May, yep. April, March 31st whatever you got a whole pile it's like exactly yeah they,
0: they on a trip they on vacation
1: yeah and it's weird that you know whoever was living there was like I don't care about smoke coming out of the chimney but I'm not going to touch the mail don't want to let the, the male <laughs> guy know that someone's here strange but in the autopsy The court physician, Johann Baptist, determined that they had all died from blows to the head. So let's, yeah, let's talk about some of their, the situations that led to their, uh, their ends. So they all had various precise cuts on their faces and on their bodies. Cecilia Gruber and Victoria had been strangled in addition to their head wounds. It starts to get a little bit more gruesome here. Cazilia Gabrielle, the younger Cazilia, the daughter here, her throat was cut uh however and baptist had determined at that point in time that she had been alive for hours following her wounds and he figured this out because she had clumps of hair in her hands there were other signs to indicate that there was an ongoing struggle after the the wounds were given or made um but finally andreas was found only in his underpants and it's hard to say whether that's how he was sleeping that's how he was in his normal state when going to the barn or if this was after forced address the crime, down. yeah but yeah that's that's how the bodies were found and uh, since Andreas Gruber had many arguments with a lot of people in the community there were oh. ultimately a lot of people to investigate with the police so there were a hundred people or more you know give or take Ooh. that were being interviewed some of them were interesting enough to interview multiple times they interviewed anybody from known criminals to vagrants who were passing through the area. What's interesting here is that some of the victims' skulls were actually sent off to Clairvoyance to see, hey, is there anything you can do to help us out, use your skills, to what? offer us any clues? Ultimately, all of the clairvoyants came up fruitless. Yeah. Were, we're not able to offer any help whatsoever. And in the process of that investigation, some of well let's just say it all of the heads of the victims were lost. Oh. I, I, I What? Uh, what are you lost? The interns getting fired uh what do you someone mean goofed lost? here. Lost. Yeah, well, I don't know why you're sending off heads to clairvoyants when clairvoyants are living people who can travel um bring What's, them up. Do what? Like how do you lose a head? Well, I don't know why they're shipping heads in the first place, but yeah, I don't know. Like, what did the clairvoyants decide that this is a nice prop for my clairvoyant shop? I don't know, Borken and Burks or something to set that on a shelf. Hell, dude.
0: Yeah. Okay, that that's super unfortunate. Very strange.
1: And this is just like, it's just a comedy of errors at this point. I I think the investigation has been thorough in some aspects, given the limited nature. But there are a lot of things such as this, uh, the mishandling of the cadavers, the I don't know how thorough the search was. They weren't able to find the weapon. Uh, We'll come back around to that soon. There's some other mishandlings of the case that we'll touch on here shortly. But uh, yeah, it's uh, this is your your next main ingredient for an unsolved mystery is just. the mishandling of a Going of back, you said
0: there were there were cuts. Were they all cut in the same area or the person was just randomly cutting them?
1: It seems like, and Christian, feel free to elucidate us further, but it sounds like there were just some seemingly precise cuts across some of their faces and bodies.
0: From what we were reading, the cuts themselves were precise, yes, but the locations were not consistent across the bodies and the bodies had different details in regards to what had been done to them, and we left some of those out just because it was gruesome. But no, I think it was everybody had different types of wounds while still being precise, if that makes sense, okay,
1: mm. so so precise but seemingly random at this point, yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah, there you go, interesting, yeah. I don't know. that's I mean, the the precision will definitely come into play when we talk about some of the suspects. but, but, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like, and especially when you consider poor Cecilia uh, Junior, I suppose, Gabrielle mm-hmm. down here, who had probably the most violent acts done to her, right, with her throat being cut. And the fact that she was alive for some time after her wounds, it seems like whoever this person was might have been a bit sadistic. And uh, maybe these cuts were just them enjoying what they were doing or or causing pain. and that And that could maybe give us some inclination as to what the motive was here, perhaps. And I'm just reading between the lines. Perhaps whoever did this uh, had a personal grudge against these individuals. Perhaps that's why these cuts are here? Was yeah. they wanted people to, to know it was them and know what they did or something? Well, they did um, say
0: that right, that there was a lot of animosity between the the dad and so many people apparently.
1: Yeah, it sounds like he had a lot of uh, an arguments amongst the community, so yeah. So maybe some tension in the air. Yeah.
0: That just kind of like leaves it for so many suspects
1: oh absolutely well the investigation continued on for quite some time Commissioner Conrad Mueller actually led the investigation out of his own personal interest up until 1955 at which point he retired the case was closed and by this point in time many many people had been interviewed several people had been arrested but it really wasn't solved And and that's what kind of obviously is why we're discussing it but what it just sucks because of the nature of this crime. But the commissioner was ultimately nicknamed because of his uh, interest in this and the fact that he was on this for so long. He was nicknamed the Hinterkaifeck commissioner. Now, before we go into the suspects, you know, I want to talk about some of the thoughts in the air at the time. You know, some people wondered if family members from the Grubers or the Gabriels killed the family to inherit their farm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's what the motive was here. In fact, Andreas's brother Bernhard Gruber was the one who inherited the home, but he then sold it to the Gabriel family under the conditions that they would tear the house down.
0: I guess to, I mean, the profit there would be the plot of land, you know?
1: Yeah, or, or maybe you know, Bernhard just wanted his hands off of it. This was too much of a reminder of his brother and their yeah uh, their unfortunate demise and just you know i'm just going to sell it to the tangential family here that that we were close to wash my hands of it and say for the love of god tear that house down i don't want yeah. i don't want any remaining structure of where my family has been uh, right. slaughtered you know but it wasn't until this point interestingly enough that a weapon was discovered and this was a year later Whoa. after the house had been torn down yes in 1923 at the Hinterkaifeck farm The weapon was finally discovered. Andreas' homemade matic was found covered in blood, and it was likely to have been hidden in the attic. And that's why I have to say, man, did they really search this place top to bottom? Or is that attic the worst, most... Lazarian? Lazarusian? Labyrinthian? is probably the word I was going for <laughs> labyrinthian uh room and on this entire place I don't know yeah what the all I'm is trying to say is, is in the attic. even then
0: how it's is like, everything hiding in the attic? <laughs> everything right take all the time that it take they could ever possibly take to search this house also like I got some big houses out there but how big can it really be right get get the people get the manpower out there
1: you got people stomping around in the attic not being found on multiple occasions You've got money. I don't know if the money was hidden in the attic, but the money was in the house somewhere. Kind of. Kind of. And I don't know if, you know, again, I'm just, I'm kind of keeping it on the table. I don't know if robbery was the main intent yet or, I mean, unsolved, but, but if it was, that wasn't found. The matic, which by the way, is kind of like a pickaxe that instead of coming to a point, it comes to like a flattened edge, but still a point, just a different tool. Now that is what was the murder weapon. And that was up in the attic and it was covered in blood still. Um and that wasn't found, so this labyrinthian attic is probably better off demolished at this point. But now, when it comes to the matic, if this was used to make these precise cuts that we were talking about on the cheeks and on the body, etc., it would require quite a bit of experience because it's not a it's an unwieldy thing. It's quite big and heavy. You have to have some experience with it. Hmm. But there's also something I want to say here too, which. I don't know if you can hear me smiling but i'm frustrated uh with the lack of searching here a pen knife was found in the hay of the barn now christian help me out here i don't know if the if the pen tool or the pen knife was found after the demolish or during the investigation and just wasn't connected to the crime scene from what I understand the pen knife was also found after the farm was demolished. Oh. oh, come on. Okay. You know, they they were doing some good investigation, are but it's things like this that make me go. Or what? Right. Hello everybody. Welcome back to The Gap in the Mystery where I talk directly to you, there's a couple of points of business that I want to talk about. One exciting piece uh, of development. As of today, we have a YouTube channel. That's right. If you ever wanted to subscribe to us, watch us on YouTube, have a visual. Uh, we have the, the images of the mystery that play within it. That's right. We're moving up in the world. You can watch us on YouTube by going to youtube.com redwebpod or just searching us. And uh, as of today, like I said, June 28th, 2021, you can go to that YouTube channel And we'll have our first upload there. So please go subscribe, support us there. And like I mentioned, if you want the visuals without going to the social page, they will be edited into the video for you. And it's going to it's going to update over time. We're going to change how the visual style looks of these videos right now. It's just starting with a visual, a visual version of the podcast and also gets us open to the YouTube audience. But yeah, like I said, they will evolve over time. Uh, another piece of business, we have a convention coming up called RTX. It is part of our bigger, uh, company. Uh, If you don't know that we are a part of rooster teeth and that is our online convention this year, it's going to run for 10 days. And if you want to be a part of that, if you want to see all the various panels that Alfredo and I will be a part of, including a red web panel that includes Christian, Nick, our editor, and Jillian, our producers and researchers and everybody and how this whole show comes together, how we do what we do. We will have a panel around that where you can ask us those questions. So go to rtxevent.com to figure out how to get tickets for it and be a part of it. We're looking forward to it and it's going to be a whole lot of fun and it's happening essentially right now. If you're listening to this as, as the moment that, this comes out. It's happening the next week, very soon. So get out there, come see us. Well, I guess get in here. It's it's a website. It's with a .com. But it, usually, it's out in the real world at the convention center here in Austin. But anyway, with all that out of the way, thank you all for bearing with me. I want to talk about some of our sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by the Jordan Harbinger Show. You're clearly a fan of high quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. Wink, wink. Since you like Red Web, you should definitely check out the Jordan Harbinger show right now. It's a podcast that covers a wide range of fascinating topics through weekly interviews with heavy hitting guests. For instance, Jordan's recently interviewed Coffeezilla, a YouTuber who exposes guru scammers, as well as Renee DiResta, who studies what turns ordinary people into conspiracy theorists. But there's an episode for everybody no matter what you are into. The show covers stories like how a professional art forger made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. Wonder how they got away with that. But we really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Upstart. Are you carrying a credit card balance every month? You're not the only one. High interest rates can make it harder to pay off debt, and that's where Upstart can help. Upstart is a fast and easy way to pay off debt with a personal loan all online. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and employment history. That means they can offer smarter rates from trusted partners. With a 5-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com/redweb. That's upstart.com/redweb. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other personal information that you provide in your loan application so go to upstart.com redweb debt can be serious so be sure you do your research before applying to any services i wanted to say that here at the end because it's your money and it matters so be mindful and do your research and with that said let's get right back into the mystery well, let's flash forward because that's the investigation. They they don't have a lot to go off of. They clearly missed some. Okay, in hindsight, some obvious things I can imagine. Right. Farm um, home with a lot of hay. You know, a lot of hay. Lots I can of imagine. Are yeah, it's gonna be uh, difficult to search through. But in 2007, the case was reopened. Uh, much like many other cases we discussed it here in the early 2000s, a lot of them are being reopened because of the advancements in forensics. So, hooray, science! You know, as well as the fact that investigators seemingly over the years had come to a conclusion upon a theory and they all seem to agree upon a theory, but they are not releasing that information because at this point, the suspect that they're theorizing about is still yet a theory one and Mm. two, they want to protect the privacy of the family members because whoever it was went about their life probably had a family and the family isn't guilty yeah. and and if they did this in the 20s they're probably not alive to this day unless they're vastly over 100 years yeah, old.
0: really really old.
1: And so you know they'd want to keep that private because it's not worth causing grievance and undue stress to the family because they you know they're, they're just the, the potential the theoretical offspring to an otherwise not so great person.
0: Yes and that could be pretty rough mm mm-hmm. mhm oh man if the person isn't even alive but then they have offspring at that point it's like do you even let them know
1: right that is a huge is ethical a and point? moral question right i feel like that's a question to cover in a philosophy class but i would wager uh no and that seems to be what they're <laughs> no. doing here is uh is they're keeping it quiet i think investigators have like i said agreed upon a theory yeah uh and they're gonna let it be going
0: back real quick they're act- they must have been pretty lucky that that didn't get destroyed and. In- Dem- you know, of uh, the demolishing of the house, right. right? Or just get
1: swept away with all the trash and stuff. Like, that's a great point. It, like, wow. <laughs> Who's to say right? like that weapon should have been grabbed and seen, right? Like, I don't know if in the, all the rubble, I would look at any particular tool and say that one's covered in blood. Yeah. You know, unless they unless they're doing some sort of like auctioning off of stuff,
0: or I'm sure they're just scooping it up and yeah, right. and then just dump it in a truck and taking it away,
1: yeah. But at the time, the reason the case was deemed unsolvable is because of all that lack of physical evidence. Now, another last gripe I have with the investigation, and this is probably one of the biggest ones, is that fingerprints and sketches on site are standard. standard practice for that time period. okay. No fingerprints were taken. No sketches were taken of the site and obviously a year after it went down in 1923 it was all demolished and so it's really hard for modern day forensic scientists to attempt to open this case again and so that's why it will forever remain in the realm of theory because there just is no way to oh. dig any deeper
0: yeah we have the tech but you know you can't change, you know time Hmm. time just uh, kills a lot of that people are getting older and they're you know how, how exactly. they remember things, and and then evidence is just eroding away.
1: Yeah. The only hail mary would be if they happen to have that matic, and they happen to be able to pull off various samples of DNA, and they happen to you know test the family that they're keeping on the DL, and Gosh. they test. You know,
0: I, I just I just don't know. I feel like there's so much caution and red tape around that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You need to get so much consent, and mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: It's a wild one, but uh, without further ado, I would love to dive into the suspects. There's some very interesting uh, information that comes out in some of these that I'd love to get your gut feelings on.
0: Half the town,
1: half the town. That's yeah. It it ended up being uh, Orient Express. I'm just spoiling movies all day today. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about the first set of suspects right here. The previous maid, okay, of the two maids, this was the one that left six months prior, she suspected the Taller brothers. Not the brothers that were taller than everybody else, but the T-H-A-L-E-R brothers. They were known criminals in the area, primarily for burglary. And while she was still employed at Hinterkaifeck, Josef Taller appeared at her bedroom window in the middle of the night. A normal sight, I suppose. What? (laughs) Come on. Here we go again with
0: suspicious people with a history doing things that they shouldn't be
1: doing. Yeah. He was sitting out there outside the window knocking away multiple times, by the way. She spent the night trying to ignore him. And when she finally asked what was going on, like, why are you at my window? Get the heck out of here. Taller questioned the maid about the Gruber family. And maybe they caught wind about the, the wealth that this this family had accumulated. Hey, are they wealthy? How many kids do they have? What's the backdoor uh, key combination? Uh, even though it's in the past. You know, the, all those sort of weird things. And she realized yeah. that Taller wasn't alone. In the night, back behind him, she sees someone silhouetted. She doesn't know who it is, but she's assuming it's his brother, also named Andreas. And this is where things oh are going to God. start getting really confusing because we already have Cecilia the mother in yep. this situation mm-hmm. or the yep. grandmother I should clarify and then, and then Cecilia the- Gabrielle who is the the granddaughter to Cecilia so we already have two double names and then we have because yep. uh, then we have Yosef Taller and then we have Yosef the grandson <laughs> so if you get confused oh. at any point pause me because uh, it okay. doesn't stop there's more <laughs> double names coming it's,
0: it's, it's like this town had like a hat with ten names for I mean, the males and the females that were ain't born. Ain't it just
1: so though? You know how <laughs> many Johns do we have in the early American histories? You know, like uh, it's just true. one of those things, um, popular names. But uh, yep. but yeah. So feel free to stop me. I can clarify okay. at any point. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, so she is assuming behind the brother is his brother, the other taller uh, brother here in the night. She she wasn't sure, but that's what she's wagering. When they finally left. She saw that the taller brothers had stopped to look at the machinery room. They didn't just walk off. They stopped. They looked at it. They did whatever they did. And then off they went into the night. The same building, obviously, that was, I just want to be nail on the head. This is the same building Mm -hmm. that was broken into a few months later after she had left. Now, what causes people pause when it comes to these suspects is their motive. Because if it's most likely that they wanted to burglarize the farm... And it's found that nothing was stolen. It calls into question, was it them? Now, obviously, motives can change and situations can change. I was wagering perhaps they couldn't find the money. One, maybe that maybe it was in that attic. Or two, uh, maybe the situation got deeply out of hand and they just didn't want to be tied to it in any way. And so...
0: But then, I mean, I don't know. I feel like but then why I live there? Then why I live there? <laughs> yeah. Also, at the same time, it's like you're too... S- Scared to go looking for the money it's like he committed the crime too scared to go looking for the money but not scared enough to just you know to, to bolt away from the place
1: to milk the cows yeah, yeah that's a good point dang i don't know interesting but let's pause it for a second because we have another suspect and this is where things start to get a little bit more interesting I had no idea about this particular suspect by the way, so I'm deeply fascinated. Some theorize that Victoria's deceased husband, Carl, Carl Gabriel, did not actually die in combat during World War I because his body was never found. There lies the base case for this entire theory here. It gets wild. So, Victoria had Joseph in 1920. This was years after Karl's absence. Obviously, he supposedly died in 1914, so mm-hmm. it was many years. And ultimately, it is unknown who the father of Josef is. Now, following World War II, prisoners of war that were held in the Soviet Union were claiming that there was a German man that said he was the Kaifek killer. Such an oddly specific thing to be hearing what? in the Soviet Union, no less, as a prisoner of war. So the German soldiers are saying, okay, there's a German out there claiming to be the killer. They Mm -hmm. also claim to have seen Carl in a Soviet uniform. So I don't know if this man has defected to the other side. And this is part of his running away. But Carl apparently has some nebulous history going on here and has been MIA, but alive for like eight years. Why be MIA? And That's also, a good question again,
0: more people just confessing this stuff
1: yeah just like or or just trying to take credit uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know That's why true. you're trying yeah. to take these credits, man, but I mean, okay sure I mean, maybe they're in they're in war and they're just swapping stories and and saying like oh yeah you know I don't know. But uh, shortly, let's go back in time again here. So this is April of 1914, and shortly after Victoria and Carl's marriage in 1914, Carl actually moved back in with his parents, and it is believed that Carl left Victoria over her relationship with her father, Andreas. This is another flabbergasting, shocking piece of uh, information here. But in 1915, the two were found guilty and jailed for a year. After community reports came in of their incestuous relationship. So Andreas and his daughter, Victoria, apparently, you know, there's at least rumors in the community that were saying that they were having relationship. Uh, I don't know if this was consensual in any way. I don't know any other further information, but it is this fact that people are pointing to to say this is why Carl left. And this is also the beginning of his motivation for coming back to the family and oh my blah, goodness. right? The neighbors oh. also claim, and this is why I say I don't know about the consent happening, because the neighbors who were reporting on this incestuous relationship were also claiming that Andreas was abusive towards his family in general. And so, again, I, I don't want to read into it or put my opinions where they don't belong, but that's yeah. why, you know, you call that relationship into question. Now, the theory goes that Carl returned and killed the family out of revenge, and that's kind of the main theory, but it's very unlikely in the end. Um, It's also worth noting that other soldiers did in fact claim to see Carl's dead body, so there are a few wrinkles in this theory, as poetic as it might sound for a a man to disappear during the war, come back after World War II, and, and then bring retribution on the family that hurt his his ex-wife or whatever but mm-hmm. it's very fantastic
0: what a wild tale um, very
1: wild and, it, and it's all based on uh, the sayings of, of
0: so, so many people
1: some pow's honest. right people that are yeah. coming out of war there's a lot of and i don't know if if the fact that carl being in a soviet uniform or carl being seen dead or people claiming in a pow camp that they were the killer, like, they're all interesting, but I don't think you can just, like, connect all of those and say that, yep, that's the story. It's... Yeah, there's so many things that would have to, like, line
0: up for that. Yeah. Not to say that it couldn't, but, my, like, my goodness.
1: Right, and and to your question, you had a very good one, which is, why go MIA after a few years? What's the motivation there? You know? It, mm-hmm. Sure, I understand the motivation between Carl and Victoria splitting up, and maybe him being angry. I can understand that piece. But him kind of disappearing and only popping up during the next war makes right? it challenging to to really, I don't know, to really believe in. Uh, I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's just why the long con? I, I don't
1: know. Right. I mean, I don't know. You know, people, people can uh, be hermits. People can live solitary lives. And perhaps this was upsetting enough to make him do just that. I don't want to say mm-hmm. it's impossible because uh, I don't know. But it... But that's just my own opinion here. It just makes right. it a bit challenging. But, but there we have it. There's, uh, there's Carl Gabriel as our second suspect. Now, our last suspect is definitely, this is where I admit, things might get a little hairy. So feel free to pause me at any time. Okay. Ask those questions. We can clear things up. But enter Lawrence Schlittenbauer. You might recognize that name. Schlittenbauer is Kaifek's closest neighbor. They're also considered a suspect. Now, when, while investigating the family's disappearance, the trio had to break the doors to the barn as they were locked. However, what's interesting there is that uh, Schlittenbauer later unlocked the front door to the house and went in by himself. So it's interesting that while investigating, they had to bust into the barn, but he was able to individually allow himself into the home. Yeah, is, is he other missing key? That's a good question, because he has a key that's a fact it is unknown how he got that key perhaps the family gave it to him perhaps it was a copy perhaps he, because he's the closest neighbor he house sits on the vacation days but yeah. i don't know perhaps he's the one that stole it though right because there there was that missing key that mm-hmm. happened the day before mm-hmm. the mur- the day before the murder so it'd be weird, <laughs> weird though to just go
0: back i mean right. go back with the key Mike. like here we go
1: yep and what's interesting too, I mean, you got to think about this. Somebody came out of the woods, busted their way into the tool shed. Someone was kicking around in the attic before and after that. And so they're already in the house. How'd they get there? Who is it? And actually, I do want to say before I go too far into the Loren Schlittenbauer thing, mm-hmm. um, is that a piece of my brain wants to say, perhaps when it comes to Carl Gabriel, perhaps he had come back and perhaps... He was alive and was trying to make amends with Victoria, and then he found out that the son was actually the—I don't want to—again, I'm not going right. to dive into too Gone many details, but, hole. but let's just say he came back and he was being hidden away by Victoria in the attic for whatever purpose— I don't know. And she was helping protect him or something. But then people went up there to see. Well, then again, I mean, oh, God, this person's in the house. Someone's in the house and that's and they're in the house months before the key goes missing. So you have to. So that's where I'm pulling that out. Otherwise, I'm like, how'd they get in? Who is it? Is it one of the family members? Man,
0: that whole the whole. I don't know. That's just so risky. Right. Because then people are just Mm -hmm. like, I heard something. I heard something. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up and check too. like, how do you control that situation?
1: Oh, you don't. Yeah god okay my brain is rattling off the inside of my skull but a lot of man this is this is why i love hearing from you all who listen to the podcast when you tweet us about your personal theories there's a lot of like little threads here that i would love to see how you yep. guys tug on them but yeah let us know at red web or roosterteeth.com or the roosterteeth app we also upload there and there's a comment section but anyway let's dive back to lorenz schlittenbauer So yes, he has this key. He lets himself in. Perhaps he's the one that stole it the day before the murders. It's hard to say. Was he the one kicking around the attic? I don't know. I think people would notice he was gone Mm -hmm. from his house. Also, would he have been kicking around the house days after the murder when he was supposed to live a house away? You know, did people align his absence with theirs? Or
0: maybe he stayed there because he knew the neighborhood well enough. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. he felt comfortable, like, oh, I... I live in this neighborhood.
1: Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. Well, he went into the house alone, and this is where things start to get hairy. So Schlittenbauer claimed at the time that he went alone into the home because he was looking for his son. He did confirm that he disturbed the crime scene. You know, he admitted this. You know, it's possible that he was just being honest so as mm-hmm. to cover his own tracks. Or perhaps he there was no malintent. This was an accident. He's one of a dozen people that have trounced all around this place. But he's looking for his son is the main point. Now, the reason why that is a key piece of evidence here or a key note is because it was believed that Schlittenbauer started seeing Victoria, the widowed wife, right? Mm -hmm. After Schlittenbauer's wife died in 1918. So now we have a little bit of a reveal. Perhaps there was a relationship between the neighbor and Victoria. Oh, God. So possibly messy <laughs> it's gonna get even messier because victoria right she had joseph and cecilia right she believes victoria believes that Josef was also schlittenbauer's child that this child came from them seeing each other after 1918 and that this is why he allowed himself into the home because he said he was looking for his son now i want to put ourselves into the situation Ignore what I'm. the confusing thing I'm saying right now. Schlittenbauer is on site after his two sons had come on site. They went home. He went out with two other neighbors. He's investigating the location. He says, I'm looking for my son. He goes into the house. Now, the two other neighbors are like, oh, yeah, you're looking for your two sons that were literally just here. But this right. is where it really, really gets confusing because when recounting this back with the police, he said, no, no, no. I'm specifically looking for Yosef. And I'm going to quote him here. He said, quote, There I found my son, lying in the stroller with his head shattered," end quote. What? So, this is why it gets so complicated, because he already has a son named Yosef. Yeah. And so, it's very unclear when we talk about the anecdote of what's happening here, who he's really referring to. It seems like, when you take the police's perspective, that he is admitting that young boy Yosef was his son that he had had with Victoria and that the other Josef, Josef Schlittenbauer, was a different Josef, he's back home right now, he's mostly a grown man, uh, so, or older. Okay. That's why this is confusing. Do you follow?
0: Barely. To be a possible affair, uh, they've kind of come to this agreement that that person is, you know, the son. Yeah. And then he bolts in. There's another Yosef, but that Yosef already was there, then wasn't there. That's why everyone thought that, like, he was looking for that Yosef, but instead looking <laughs> for the possible fair son, Yosef. Yes. Oh. Oof. Yes. Take Yosef okay. Schl-
1: Schlittenbauer uh, and, and ignore him for now. That's what's causing the confusion. Ooh. That's probably on me. So here's the thing. When it comes to Lawrence Schlittenbauer and developing a case for him as a suspect, they started to look at this potential relationship between Victoria and Lawrence. He's saying to the police, I found my son lying in the stroller with his head shattered. So that is implying that Yosef, young Yosef here, is his son. And that seems to confirm that there was a relationship between these two. And so not only is he a suspect because he's a close neighbor, but because there might be something a little bit more intimate happening. Now, Apparently, and building on this potential thread a little bit more, apparently, Victoria wanted to marry him, but Schlittenbauer was uncertain, ultimately, if the child was his or not. So there's a lot of waffling on facts happening here. Yeah. Eventually, Schlittenbauer did eventually remarry, having another wife and other children. Victoria also wanted him to pay child support for Josef, because she's saying, no, he's definitely your kid. And he made a complaint to the police about Victoria and Andreas' incestuous relationship, but then he later withdrew that complaint. And so there's a lot of juggling, a lot of drama, a lot of back and forth playing with the facts. So let me know if you have any questions. No, I mean, it just seemed like
0: such a you know, hey, a big family and they might have some you know, they have a little bit of wealth and this lovely farm, and then all of a sudden, just so much messy drama and yep. possibly some incest and mm-hmm. dead husbands that come back. I just
1: Yeah. What's interesting here is that it. it's entirely possible as a nearby neighbor that in grieving or otherwise, right, after his wife's death, that Victoria and he meet up and that they get to know each other. That's totally fine and normal and whatnot, but that's what... A lot of people are trying to build this portion of the case on and what really challenges that is the mix up of well is he referring to that Yosef or that mm-hmm. Yosef was he saying that there was an incestuous relationship or was he not because he withdrew it was there conflict that he wanted to stifle originating from the fact that she is demanding or basically asking for child support from him right is that part of the motivation here And to further build out the case, now again, stop me if there's any more confusion because Schlittenbauer is all over the place, putting out stuff, taking it back, whatever. You know, he also seemed to have some questionable inside knowledge on the murders based on a couple of comments that he made when he was visiting the site after it was demolished in 1925. He was saying when he was there, a few years after it all went down, that it was difficult to bury the bodies on that day because the ground was frozen the day of the crime It's interesting He is a close neighbor And so he might have had frozen ground as well But I would challenge a lot of people To remember a very specific day And if And what they were doing
0: Yeah but why I even say stuff like why that Why say that
1: I mean, I get it. You know, this can be totally benign. He could be like, yeah, I was, I happened to be digging that day. And that's how I remember because a crime, a day of impact like that is burned into your mind. So maybe, yeah, maybe he was like, I just happened to know because I am nearby and I was digging, but it's a very odd thing to say. I was, I mean, someone was really challenged to bury the bodies (laughs) because it was, I mean, and so this could have then been them waxing poetic about what went down him with some friends or whatever just talking about the case and why they were stacked on top of each other buried in the hay I think that's a very odd thing to talk about and so maybe this is him just going Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe it's because the ground was just too hard Uh." so it's not you know it's not anything to to paint his hands red but it is an interesting comment I just wouldn't make it what Right,
0: exactly. Like, why, why are you making that comment? Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. If, dude, at, at this point, it could be anyone, anything. There's just so many possibilities. The fact that, like, the household was so messy 50 different ways.
1: Yep. Well, to complicate matters on this guy's case, you know, he uh he's not doing himself any favors. Other witnesses were saying that when he was on site, he was acting a little too nonchalant about the murders. But also... In his police interviews, it came forward that he was explaining how one could get around the house without a key. Now, I know he had a key, but uh, remember, I was asking, how did whoever get in the attic be in the attic without a key? How were they getting around the house without a key? This guy seems to know how you would do that. And so maybe, and this is where I have to kind of pull back on my own little theory here is like, was there an affair going on? And so he was like, oh, snap, your father's coming, and he darts up to the attic, hence the footsteps, hence the, I was peeping through the window, I thought this was her room, but now instead I'm just going to play it off. Like, I don't know. I'm extrapolating a lot of ideas, but wild, uh, wild case. But as always, I want to end this particular theory on this suspect with a few wrinkles that challenge that theory. You know, an interesting Mm -hmm. piece to note here is that the murderer ran the farm for several days following the crime. It would be very difficult for anyone to do this and not be noticed. You know, being a neighbor you might be able to get away with it, but if the whole town is noticing that this family's gone and you are staying there milking cows and cooking dinner for yourself, <laughs> I feel like someone else is going to notice that you're gone. You have your family, you have your job, you have your life. People would notice. So, and and if they were coming in and out of the place, they would very likely run into somebody. So, all that is to say is it would be tough for a neighbor I mean, I love- after taking the, the long wood route, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it all depends on if there was snow on the ground and if they could tippy-tap toeing out. But, yeah. I mean, that next day, April 1st, to have four people almost randomly come by selling coffee beans or trying to buy something. Like, I don't know. It just seems risky enough that. Also super risky to just come and go. Right. You just wouldn't want to be coming and going. You would want to be locked down until you knew that you could get away without some normal passersby. Well, uh, and then they, let's go back to the concrete evidence. You know, the police were very challenged to find any evidence against Schlittenbauer. And, you know, ultimately the police did believe his story about him going inside to find right. his son and that he mm. only provided his opinions on the crime that assisted with solving it, not necessarily providing inside knowledge to the crime.
0: This this house and this family, is just like a revolving door. There's like so many, uh, there's so many like reasons why people are going in and out many reasons why people could possibly hate them, and there's so many possible, like, bears and stuff like that, or just, like, drama. Yeah. Oh,
1: man. It's messy, dude. Very messy. I, you know, the way the crime kind of unfolded is already... Just wild to begin with, right? The footsteps in the attic and the footsteps leading to the barn, the way the bodies were found, the way the whole crime went down. Your question about one person overpowering a whole household of individuals, like all of that. And the fact that the guy had a gun, too, and I'm sure he was like keeping it close, given that he knew the situation. Yeah, he was already freaking out. Yeah, I mean, that alone was already what makes this case so compelling. Makes me want to dive in, pull it apart, figure out what went wrong. And I think we've identified a few of those pieces but truly the suspects and and the the ebb and flow of various theories i mean i always find it very fascinating i love the the craft of theory yeah sometimes it's a little bit more of an art and less so of a this is what happened factually right so but i you know i i think that these theories are just as as uh compelling as the the way the crime scene was left oh most definitely to begin with it's it's uh And then they stayed in the house like it's just so many question marks all over this thing. And then so just nothing came up on fingerprints. Nothing came up. Well, they didn't take any. Remember, they didn't take any fingerprints. They didn't take any sketches. But also, like, I don't know, like if the sketches would be of the location. Sure. But if the sketches were intended to be uh, eyewitness accounts of people on site, then I don't know if we even would have had that anyway. Yeah. But let's talk about some other theories before we close out that, you know, we like to pepper in a couple of these Mm -hmm. theories that are still out there kind of in the conversation. We'd be remiss if we didn't say them. Some wonder if this could have been some sort of paranormal entity. And I find that really interesting. Perhaps a cryptid of some sort or a a poltergeist or a demon. Uh, It depends on the level with which you want to suspend disbelief or the level with which you believe in these things. Because there's a lot of groundwork that kind of point this to this direction, right? The maid yeah. leaving, the footsteps, and then not being able to find anybody. The multiple noises. times that... Exactly. The noises. The, the Everything leading to, I should have found somebody here. All evidence points to someone or something being here and then not finding it. And then the lack of evidence, somebody kicking around and living there, but then kind of disappearing. It's interesting, but, you know, I don't know if I subscribe to this one.
0: Uh... Uh, honestly, with how messy the family was, I I don't think I could. Yeah. Other otherwise, like, I I would definitely be like, ooh you know, maybe, but it was a damn mess in that house.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, like, I, uh, part of me wants to be like, I don't know though. Here's the thing: is is this is such an extraordinary circumstance? Yeah. It would be the only sort of situation of its caliber. Like this is this is a wildly complex and vivid crime for for the paranormal to be a part of. Normally when you hear the paranormal being part of one of the mainstream or, or one of the more popular theories, uh it doesn't tend to be this hot. It doesn't tend to be that a whole family is stacked on top of each other yeah, with gruesome wounds and
0: like one person. Right. Yeah, this this seems less like an entity, right? Would do it and more so like this is a human that, with a with emotions.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, especially man, especially with like the the basically like the torture that they underwent and and the brutality of the wounds. But, you know, others do believe, too, that it's within possibility, like the realms of possibility, that this was done by one of the family members, maybe one of them in in the family committed the crime. And this is where you could then combine the theories and say that maybe the father was possessed. You know, you get some sort of Amityville horse. That's sense what I was here. When you were talking
0: about the, the dad whipping out the shotgun and not mm. wanting help, I was thinking maybe Amityville type stuff. But yeah. I never really led down that route. Here's the yeah. thing, too, though. But like, it, it seems like it's a pretty solid fact that the house was lived in and the animals were tended to. So the ghost just what killed and then just chilled. Killed and chilled.
1: <laughs> like, oh, man. Like what? <laughs> the afterlife version of Netflix. Ju- yeah, dude, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Maybe they're like, maybe I, uh, I'll keep up the charade and, and make it look like someone's here. And then on day four, they're like, I don't have the energy to continue you, materializing, yeah, you know? I, just, <laughs> I,
0: don't, I don't get that.
1: Right. Well, I, I think we can gently put the family member piece to bed. I think I want to keep that page open a little bit to, to mm-hmm. maintain that metaphor, but... The fact that, I mean, you look at these wounds, it would, you'd be hard pressed to say that any of these wounds were self-inflicted, right? If they were all victims in the end, one of them would have to have inflicted the pain on themselves. And it would probably have to be the maid or Yosef by the nature with which the bodies were stacked outside and then buried with the hay. So... I don't think it was the young boy. I mean, maybe the maid, here's the thing. Oh, okay, I wanted to say this earlier. I know we're at the end here. Mm-hmm. What about the maid's sister? I think there's nothing that really says that she has an alibi away from the place. And if she helped the the maid moved in that day and then kicked around the apartment, or the excuse me, the place, the house for the day, the afternoon, mm-hmm. who's to say she doesn't stay into the night, poppity pop, do the crime, do the deed, live there for a minute, figure out your next move and then hightail it out of there never to be known about because you were right. the sister to the maid that moved in that day uh, you know I, that, I i that's just wild conjecture i have nothing else to go off of other than yeah yeah, yeah. the possibility I mean, the means with that, which to do yeah
0: that'd it. be easy what i mean if you're looking at it from uh that pov then yeah you slip in slip out
1: man your own sister and some kids or just yeah. anybody, man. That's just
0: evil. Could have been. Um, I mean, also, they were apparently wealthy or well off But
1: nothing was taken. The money nothing wasn't ta- taken. You
0: think you'd at least take something. You stole for four your troubles. days'
1: meals. And that's it. Yeah, Wild, I don't, man. I don't know. You know? Uh, I don't know, man. I I, I could wildly fire <laughs> off random theories that are connected to nothing but, you know, just, the possibility of maybe, but... Yeah, that's an interesting one. I
0: can't hone in on anything because everything's all over the place.
1: Yeah. Well, to this day, all that remains of Hinterkaifeck is a memorial that reads, quote, on March 31st, 1922, the Gabriel Gruber family fell victim to the ungodly hand of the murderer. And that memorial is left there on site for anybody that ends up going by or visiting. I don't know if it's a visitable place, but it is a memorial there. And, uh pretty, like they said, a pretty ungodly murder uh, went down, but, you know, from a forensics perspective, an investigative perspective, mm-hmm. deeply fascinating, and, and it's like a perfect case, like I was saying at the top uh, about Christian, like this is the perfect case to, to tell you exactly how to create an unsolved mystery because of some of the oversight, some of the loose ends, the way things were handled, these are like consistent things we see anymore, and maybe that's why we have so many unsolved mysteries in the, you know, the, the yep. mid 1900s. You know? Now
0: there's all these protocols and stuff like that. And with technology and everything, it makes things harder, but also kind of easier to, you know, they go hand in hand. Harder to commit mm-hmm. crimes, easier to commit crimes. But uh, I, man, they can get you for anything. Strand of your hair is there, you're, you know, boom, they lock you in at being there at the crime scene. Probably Man. for like the amount of time, a certain amount of time too. Like,
1: mm-hmm. like I found three hairs and that would mean that they shed <laughs> yeah. on, on an average it, of how many hairs per day that one would shed. Yes. And the fact that we would hide them with, if we would find them with X percentage, they were here for 28 minutes. I I don't know. Uh, forensics is wild and awesome. I think, you know, even bloodhounds are, are an incredibly valuable tool because they've been able to find people that were kidnapped and gone down the highway for many miles by a bloodhound who was sent like sniffing out skin cells of the people that were kidnapped. It's there's some, mm -hmm, there's some, uh, some wild ways, uh, to go about, you know, attempting to solve some things like this, but, but anyway, there's another compelling unsolved case I wanted to talk about. And, uh, whole family and someone got away with it. Just walked on out. And what, what frustrates me so much is, and I, again, I get it, but the lack of willingness to ask for help when there were so many warning signs yeah. up top, like, weird, creepy no gonna, exactly, like no one's going to, exactly. No one's going to think less of you. Just like, even if they did, at least you might be alive if you got some mm-hmm. help, right? You know, but man, I'm just thinking in the, in the, through the frame of a film, right? You think of like stereotypes and tropes and whatnot, like you see Footprints leading one way up to a broken lock and mm-hmm. an open door. I'm like, you just don't go in. You, you don't. just don't. You toss a lantern onto it and you <laughs> drive. You drive until you run out of fuel.
0: See, that's why my horror film would be a short the story. most lowest reviewed horror film ever you know what I mean I go (laughs) into a house there'd be a figure in the window and I go nah and then I would move out of the country and that's it there you go
1: (laughs) if we ever if we ever do red web tiktoks
0: that's
1: it it's you walking up to a bunch Mm -mm. of scenarios and going nah
0: Mm -mm. Mm, no not today
1: (laughs) oh well to end on that slightly uh more positive note that is the hinterkaifek murders uh would love to hear Any of your theories out there, if you want to hit us up, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You know, you can share us with your friends, anybody who you think would love Unsolved Mysteries. Otherwise, you can tweet us at RedWebPod. We're on the Rooster Teeth app and website at RoosterTeeth.com, where you can leave comments on the upload for this podcast. But yeah, love engaging with you guys in that way. And uh, we will see you all next Monday for another mystery. Bye,
0: everybody.